It's time to get to work. This is Digging Deeper with Westrack. In this third instalment of our four-part podcast series on deriving value from investment in technology, we look at the most vital ingredient, and that's the people. This is part of Westrack's recent webinar on the topic and involves a panel of subject matter experts, including General Manager Construction Industries Cameron Calloway, Group Manager Client Solutions Chelsea Gray, General Manager Technology Alistair McPherson and Dane Corr, Director of Caratha-based Earthmoving Contractor and Key Westrack Customer Core Group. Guidance technology, 3D technology, yep. etc. Maybe give everyone a view of how you're utilising those technologies. What, what do you do with a 3D system on a, on a grader or a dozer? Oh, or, well, or what, what does it actually do this, for you? I mean, we don't, they're not as big as these ones, these. <laughs> but um, it's literally the 3D system. Every job we do now is, is surveyed and touched. So we do not touch a job now without being pre-surveyed before we begin. So we get the cuts and fields, we get the amount of cubes, amount of material we need. And then from there we can base on actually how the job goes. Um, it took a while to get the contractors and our operators to understand it, but now it's funny, no one wants to touch a job now without technology. And it's funny, they're like, where's our screen? Where's our data? Yeah. And um, in the days of rushing and trying to get things through, and it's that rush, rush, rush mentality, it's like, no, back off, get the data right, do it safely. Yeah. Let's understand the job first, and then let's, let's begin. And now what we're doing, we are, we are building roads and we are knowing exactly to the like 10 or 20 tonne exactly what we're, we're using with, you know, we can preempt exactly how many cues we're gonna do per day. We know exactly where to put the material on the job to make it more efficient, you know? Um, all these little factors, it's, it's quite exciting what 3D's taken us. And I don't have it just on a grader now, like everything rolls around that machine. And that was so important to have 3D technology on that machine because he controls the water truck driver, the loader driver, the engineer, the architect, the soil tester, like, Everything revolves around the grader, but now how do we take that next degree and go, right, I want to hit my excavator. I want to hit my loader. I want my roller so he's not doing more than 10, eight, five, six passes now. Like I want it in my dozers. And then all those machines are connected up now and they're all starting to talk to each other. And that's the next connectivity. We're just about to do that next stage, which is pretty cool, Church, where we start to have all the machines talking and then they're talking to our main office now. And we're just on the brink of doing it. So in five years time, I don't know where this is going to take us, but five years ago, I wouldn't have said this is where we're going to be right now. Yep. Seeing all these benefits rolling through what you're describing, is it less rework? Is it, is, oh. it a, is it a better bottom line or a more consistent bottom line to what you've quoted? Is it more reliable? It's definitely more reliable. It gives you a more consistent product. You don't get the, unfortunately as humans, we have that emotional yeah. factor involved, I'll be honest. Um, so you, your levels are basically spot on every day. Monday through to Saturday or Monday through to Sunday or 24 seven, yeah. a computer will stay consistent. Unless sometimes you might get an automatic train come through and knock out a few, <laughs> few systems with a few different radio frequencies, but it is a lot more consistent. Very little rework. The only rework problem now is in the designs or understanding designs now. And it's funny now we're actually helping people who are designing jobs how to design a little bit better. And that's also trying to marry the two together. How do we marry the design with the machine design and how we get it right? So. Um, and I think to that point, we've seen this is the success of technology in mining. We talk about people, process, and technology. The technology enables it. You actually have to change the people and process to, to extract the value from the technology. And, and I suspect in your space, one of the things I think could happen is designers will start to better understand what the machine's capable of, and therefore, I mean, their design. So, in an autonomous mine, we've seen the mine design change 
yeah. to get the most value out of autonomy. And I can imagine in your space, you'll start to see the same. If we know that we can get a guaranteed compaction from six rolls of my roller, yes. if I set everything up prior correctly, start. I can start to get every machine to do its bit yeah. to enable that roller. So it's actually a sum of parts. And, and I think that to me will be part of what we'll see coming forward is that people will work out how to break the process down and then optimise parts of that process that will enable your vision of, of all the machines working together very efficiently. And then I suppose as me, as if I'm doing a job for someone, I want to do whatever I can to benefit my customer. So the longer relationship that we can have understanding these two together, the more success as we will share together. And that's our ultimate aim, you know, the longer the relationship, the better success we'll share. And if they can understand how to design better and we can understand how to get it on the ground faster, well then that's gonna benefit everyone in the, in the longer term. So these are our ultimate aims that we try and aim for. Um, it's just, it's small steps, Cameron. It is literally, it's, it's little things and then it'll be, the, how do you make the workshop better to get the machines that yeah. faster with Chelsea and how do you connect it and understand that data coming yeah. through. Um, I know it sounds silly, but connectivity and making phone calls where a machine is now, like we don't lose machines anymore. Like we used to lose machines. I know it's a big machine, but machines do go missing. So even those little, you know, yeah. phone call. But I think the phone, those small steps, like to Alice's point about the people, process and technology, like the technology has been around, but trying to connect those three together, you almost need to be taking those little steps and having, you know, the people learn what's possible yeah. um, and the processes adjust over time to really actually take advantage of what the technology can do. Yeah, and it, it will get there, it is. And it's funny, like, yeah, people say, where would you start? And my, my advice is start when you're small. Mm. Um, get, the, get the technology in early. Um, we were kind of medium-sized. I'd hate to see someone big try and do it, mm. but um, I, I welcome everyone to do it because it does have a benefit. But I think you can start small. One of my teams, the connectivity team, they're doing a really good job of working with customers regardless of their size, oh. of saying, okay, do you have to start small? There's no point us trying to sell you this ultimate solution up here. You know, though, though we may try, we really do see <laughs> the most success in, uh, you know, let's just, let's just get you connected. Let's just get you, you know, all your machines visible and visually see your health alerts and see all samples. And then we can kind of take you up the process slowly but surely as those other two pieces of the, the people and process come into your business. It's funny, like I went to 2012 Expo in, in um, Vegas and the difference between then to now, my change in attitude as to, you know, wanting to look at machinery as to now, like it's funny, it's only been, you know, seven, eight years or nine years and in that short amount of time, the change. Mm. One, one of the other things I want to go back to, you talked about all the different products that you have that are utilising it and you talked about your operators uh, or your people being, uh, I guess, greener now. Yeah. Have you seen the next generation visualisations also help? So, you know, the display that you have in your new excavators and your new dozer, does that make a difference on the job site? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the one thing now is where guys can have GPS tracking off a satellite and the UTS data station with a new machine as he's driving along and he can flick in between the, the two as well. And we've just also got the new 150M Masters, which has been absolutely brilliant as well. So no more domes going through windows, which does happen, but that kind of technology, it's been phenomenal what they're learning. And then the 336s now, those excavators now, we can, you know, especially on, the, on some of the, the rail, rail lines, we can stop where they actually got to swing to, but also where they actually swing into the data you can get on that screen now is that it says the actual reach of the machine and the actual design itself as well that new level of earthworks again it was complicated and it was, a, it was another whole new level that again i'm still learning but what it's enabled now is connectivity between us and perth mm.
You're listening to Digging Deeper with West Track. So if I've got an issue now, I don't need to send someone to site. I just need to make a phone call now and they get access to my, have the machine via mm-hmm. computer in Perth and can see what's happening on the machine as well. So it's not only helped me on site, backup service, mm-hmm. to keep the machine moving as well has been a great... I, I want to just flesh out a little bit more what you just talked about there, the safety elements, because yes. we haven't talked a lot about that as yet, but I think that's a really important point. And Alistair, if you can step into on, mm. on what it's changed in mining, but Dane, with you first, you just mentioned that the machine has capability, I guess, to not operate in certain corridors. So yeah. um, are, are you seeing that deliver a big benefit for you from a safety aspect of how you operate on your jobs, on busy roads, on rail corridors, on those sort of things? Definitely, I think the biggest advantage has been on rail corridors. When you've got two live tracks, you're working on one track, and right next door you have a live train going through, and we know the price of everything has gone to the roof lately, so nothing stops a a nice train coming through and the ability to, to stop that excavator actually swing in and hit almost like an imaginary wall has been fantastic. So not only can we stop the excavator swinging left or swinging right, we can also stop it going too high up on the power lines or digging too low for gas pipelines. And it's quite amazing that they do use it. I don't know exactly when they do use it every day of the week, but I know the guys have said it's brilliant because in their safety protocols now, instead of just having a danger, it's just eliminated the problem. Because how do you eliminate it? That's the best, as you know, it's the best safety way is eliminate the danger. So basically to stop machine moving to where, it, to where it wants to go is actually fantastic, so. And for the audience, Dane is talking about e-fence capabilities that we have on the machine. So effectively being able to program by the touch of a button, the machine not breaking a, a, a certain corridor. So imagine a rail coming through and I put my bucket in a certain position and it isn't able to go anywhere further. It's and so, Alistair, going back to the mining game, we see a radical change in safety by the adoption of technology. Maybe if you can elaborate on that and where you see some of those technologies rolling down to construction. Sure. So the, the driver and the mine sites has largely been about removing people from the hazardous area. Uh, that's, that's driven, I guess, from a safety perspective. In doing that, if we take an autonomous truck, for example, the, the truck then needs awareness of everything around it. So whilst we can uh, we can tell the truck certain things, um, one layer of protection is for it to also have some visibility of its environment. It does that through cameras and, and LiDAR. That technology we can take and apply down into the construction space um, in terms of you know collision avoidance or awareness of people and, and other things on the construction site. So I guess this is where Internet of Things and, and connected assets comes together. Everything that, that um, has a, a device and connectivity on it, we can start to, to place and position and understand where that's at. So in a construction space, that's other equipment, but I guess it, it then moves towards people uh, and workers. And, uh, and Caterpillar's um, you know, in, in the throes of going to market with their connected worker strategy, which is um, at the moment they have a helmet solution um, that has a number of sensors on it, and that's both obviously tells us where that person is, but it also gives us some context to, uh, to the wellbeing of that worker. We can measure vitals on the worker. We can measure if they're, they're standing or fallen, uh, if they're working at height, etc. So I think those technologies become very much applicable in, in the construction space as much as mining. Maybe, uh, maybe, Dwayne, um, if we look at, um, you know, Indigenous heritage is very important for us in Western Australia. You know, we understand uh, how we operate. It's a consideration wherever we're doing construction project, whether it's on a mine site, whether it's in public land, etc. Maybe can you articulate how, how you see the technologies we have helping you manage, uh, you know, 
important sites, et cetera, on your job site? Yeah, especially now based around education. I mean, we're, we're getting better with heritage areas and, you know, First Nations people, and I think it's, it's a great thing. But also now we can incorporate with geofencing into our work, work areas now as well and, and avoid these heritage listed areas. So I think, um, again, it's, it's probably something we could have probably adopted earlier, but education and, and time um, didn't allow it to be. But we are now incorporating, especially in a lot of our mining sites now, where heritage, heritage areas are pretty important now. So we are literally incorporating to our machines. And a lot of jobs actually won't let us begin now without, we have to have guidance GPS machines showing these heritage listed areas now. So it's not just do you have it, is it actually is a, if you don't have this in your machine, you can't start now. So it's a must now. And, it, and is that as simple as uploading a model that shows the sites and then the, the technology on the machine manages it? Yeah, it is, it is. It's pretty simple. Like in terms of design point of view, it's just basically surveying an area and just outlining. It's probably one of the simplest things to do actually on a computer wise compared to some of the designs you've got to do. But it's maybe one of the simplest, but it's probably one of the most important. It's interesting, our, our tradesman, uh, you know, working for Westrack, no longer is just a diesel mechanic. He needs to be an electrician, a diesel mechanic. He needs to understand the GPS system. He needs to understand basic surveying. Um, and while we're not there yet, but we're certainly on that direction, it's definitely a change to our apprentice program in, in terms of the skill sets that we need to bring on board. We're mindful of new people coming through and making sure they've got all those right criteria. Do you see that as a change for operators too, or do you see it a more formal process going forward? I think we do. We do need to see a bit of a change. Everyone wants to be safe, but no one wants their, their work site to be the, the safe place to train. And that's the thing now. And with margins getting tighter, money getting tighter, people want to have a safe workforce, but no one wants to allow the people the space to learn into now. So we are trying to work, I know with you guys, well, trying to get a simulator across as well to train there. I've got, um, I'm trying to work with other simulators to, to train with the computers. So it is changing. There needs to be, a, I think, a machine operator apprenticeship now to basically standardise the industry. It's getting a lot more complicated, but simplified at the same time. So yes, it's getting complicated in what the machines can do, but I now believe that it's the skill set's not calling just to drive one machine anymore, it's to drive multiple machines. And I think if we standardise that, we offer the correct training, a safe place to train, um, a safe place for young kids to come through. I think the industry could be very well healthy and alive in the future. It's just now, we now need to know where that balance is. Same with our mechanics, becoming auto sparkies, becoming electricians. Um, as an operator now, we need to just have an operator who not only drives a machine, he's very well aware of his, of his boundaries, but at the same time he needs to know how to operate a computer with his, with his machine itself. So I think it's a great future. It's just we now, as the industry leaders, now need to find that right balance to teach our youth coming forward. That ends part three of our Digging Deeper series on realising return on investment in technology. Obviously technology is worth nothing without the people and process to guide its rollout, acceptance and ongoing utilisation. And as Dane Corr pointed out, the focus necessarily needs to be on training needs that align to some of the new technology we're seeing. Tune in to the fourth and final investment on the topic of realising value from investment in technology, where we continue the discussion on the ways in which supporting processes and infrastructure must be provided to enable the adoption of technology. It's time to knock off for another episode of Digging Deeper with Westrack. For more episodes, head over to westtrack.com.au.